1: Learn more at
0: Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco
1: Distributors, Inc. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
0: Hello, how are you? Um, I am recording this from my kitchen and I'm going to make myself a cup of tea while I um, talk to you about my first podcast uh, episode. Um, what strange times we are living in. I um, I started recording the podcast just before lockdown. I think it was maybe a fortnight before. Um, and it's funny to think back to that time now because we sort of knew that... Uh, things were probably not going to stay as they were. But I remember when I went round to chat to Fern Cotton, um, who is the first person in the podcast series, and I remember when I went round to her house and we had this funny thing of, do we shake hands, do we hug? And we actually still hugged because at that point there wasn't big signs saying, don't hug everybody. Um, It was kind of peripheral vision. And then things went very fast, didn't they? From being, you know, normal life to lockdown life. So now here I stand in my kitchen. And truth be told, as is befittingly sort of ironic for someone who's recording a podcast about how you make your work life and your home life mix, I've really struggled to get very much work done at all. I think I went into a sort of paralysis of not really finding I could be very creative um, or motivated. Um, And anyway, I wanted to get on and, and release the podcast because even though um currently everybody's work life home life has gone autopsy turvy we will get back to normal one day um <laughs> and anyway it's it's still fascinating to me how people are making things work and actually i caught up with fern um at this time just to see how she's getting on uh, and if she's managing to get work done and of course, impressively enough, she is, which has actually motivated me to get on with what I'm doing too. Um, ah, The kettle has boiled. So, uh, yes, I wanted to speak to Fern. Uh, you all know Fern Cotton. She is a broadcaster but also innovator. She has her amazing Happy Place podcast that she's been doing for some time. I think it's maybe reached 70 episodes. Um, she has started running a festival called the Happy Place Festival. Um, she is a yoga enthusiast and um, incredibly fit. She's very creative. She does her drawings and has put them into books all about how to keep calm and happy and manage your mental health As well as still broadcasting. So there was a lot to talk about with her. She's raising her. She has two of her own children, two stepchildren. Um, If you are listening to this podcast and you have your own small people in earshot, uh, there are a couple of rude words, nothing too scary. Um, I don't think, I think there might be one F word and the word for boobs that starts with a T uh, that's a bit ruder Um, (laughs) so if you have small people maybe just um, keep the volume down a little bit but um, I love talking to her she's always been incredibly candid and honest about um, how she finds her sort of sleep deprivation with small people alongside all her work um so that's kind of where we started and when we have finished the podcast chat i will show you the bit where she's talking about how she's getting on now um and how she's finding her lockdown living anyway my kettle is boiled um my tea is brewing so maybe pour yourself a cup and this is my conversation with fern cotton thank you so much for listening Well, I should probably start by saying, um, as befits someone who wanted to talk uh, about being a working mother, um, I had a really bad night's sleep with my one-year-old last night. So I don't know if you have this when you... I suppose you're sort of out of the stage of having kids that wake in the night. No, I'm not. You're not? (laughs) No. Oh, my goodness. I thought maybe... Oh, no. I
2: don't know what's going on. I guess you have these kind of phases that they go through. Yeah. And Honey was a bad... Honey's four, Rex is seven. Honey was a bad sleeper for a, most of last year. And then naturally, I think she's had a growth spurt and she is just a sleeping machine. She'll lie in, mm-hmm. she's really snoozy and dozy. Rex was an amazing sleeper. Mm. And then, I'm just going to tell the true story, even if it annoys my mum. He went to my mum's. <laughs> she showed him an alien video on YouTube because she's obsessed <gasps> with aliens. She's a, like absolutely UFO freak. Okay. And it scared the hell out of him. And now, well, we went through a really bad phase at Christmas. He was waking up like every hour, freaking out. Oh, no. And since we've done a kind of, we've gone back to like sleep training like it's a newborn baby. I mean, he's seven years old. He's this huge, tall, lanky guy. And we're doing newborn sleep training. But we've now got it down to one wake a night or no wakes a night. So we're coming out of it. But we've had three months of
0: Hell. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. And I so really what? relate. Don't be sorry to me. You've got five kids. I mean, you don't ever need to apologize to me. It's just the sleep thing is crazy. It is. So when I woke up this, well, in the middle of the night, I was all you do is think about all the things you've got to do the next day <sighs> and how much harder they're going to be and how much less successful they're going to be. Um, and, you know, Mickey's one. So he is going to wake sometimes. And actually, he was a terrible sleeper for really? the, the first year. And I finally got him sleeping quite well, but I think he just likes to chuck in these nights just to yeah. keep me on my toes. Every once in a while I'll have a five thirty wake up or yeah. you know, and that'd be the day begun. Or last week we had one where he just was crying in the night and the only way he could sleep was by me sitting up in a chair oh, and, no. and that was between 3.30 and 6 a.m. When Not I appropriate. Just, no, it's not. And you want to wear a little placard for the rest of the day saying, just please be a bit gentle with me. Just a don't come near me. me. Just Stay away. I might cry. Yeah, it's <laughs> awful. Um, <laughs> well, that's really um, equally reassuring. And also, I'm sorry that your seven-year-old is. Um, actually, my seven-year-old comes into my bed every night at the moment. Mm. So this is happening in our house too. Um, And so what have you got going on in your work? What are you trying to get done with your work at the moment? Oh my God. Um,
2: I am in the middle of writing a new book. Mm -hmm. I'm at the stage, I kind of broke through the stage last week where I hated every word that I had written Mm -hmm. to now where I am accepting of what the book is and I'm just reading bits of it. So I'm like just tinkering around before I send off that first draft to then go through the very arduous process of editing it and and just distilling it down to like what it is but I'm I'm happy with it it's kind of coming along so that's the big thing for now what is
0: are you allowed to say what the book is um I can give you some
2: sort of loose themes for sure so it's all about um integrity honesty um authenticity and living your life Around those themes, wow! That's, so it's really that's a nice, very important, sort of, thing. yeah. And it's cool to reference. It's like a really nice subject to think mm. about and and look at my own life and when I have and massively haven't done that mm. and the repercussions. So it's been really lovely. So that's that's lovely. And then there's so many other little bits going on. So tomorrow I start this new '90s show for BBC Sounds. So just like playing all brilliant '90s music and talking about like 90s TV and popular culture and just like funny references from the 90s. So I'm really excited to start that. So that'll be every week on a Saturday that that goes live and you can just listen to it whenever. Um obviously the podcast is kind of ongoing. So mm-hmm. I just record them whenever a person is around that is on our list. So we probably have one a week, maybe two a week sometimes and we okay. just bank them. Um and we've got our festivals that we're planning for this summer, the Happy Place festivals. So that, we're in the thick of that at the moment. Um, and there's just some other little sort of Happy Place projects, like a charity initiative we're working on called The Great Create for the Prince's Trust. It's all about getting people to be creative and arty, and then that in turn raises money for art therapy, for vulnerable people. So we've got lots of really nice Happy Place stuff going on, and then a few bits, just me doing my thing as well. Oh, that's quite a lot of stuff yeah, at the moment. Lots of nice things, it but is. it's a lot. But I'm a bit of a nerd really like I I never think oh my god I've got so I mean sometimes I feel tired and like Mm. I'm stretched with family life and work but because I love what I do I'm happy to put the kids to bed and then sit in the kitchen and research a podcast all night or read a book because a guest's coming on or look into what's going on with the festival like that doesn't feel laborious I want to get stuck into it and I would way rather do that than watch tv or Definitely go out. My God, I can't stand going out. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of, I can fit things in in mm. my free time. I just don't really do some of the normal stuff like socialise as much or slob out because I'm so lucky to love what I do.
0: Yeah, and actually, I think that really resonates with me because I think getting things done like that and being busy, like, I, I adore it as well. Mm. And I think if you love all the things you're getting up to, it makes it so much easier to find the energy and find yeah. the time because it's as you say it's not laborious it's actually I actually think work for me has helped me find a lot of ways of dealing with I, don't, I would actually be a rubbish full-time mum I think mm. I'd be really awful at it so and I like having other projects and sometimes I feel like it's a bit of a loophole because you end up getting space for yourself in amongst the work as oh well. absolutely
2: like I know that that's happening I always feel like oh my god Am I? You know, I'm. I think I've got a nice balance where I'm at home quite a lot with some of the work that I do, but and also just in mum mode. Um, but when I am working, I, th- I do feel like, oh my god, I'm getting a little break. I'm getting a little holiday from all the craziness in this house. So I'm doing something I really love, and I'm also like you said, I'm getting stuff done and we're moving forward with projects. So. It does feel sometimes, not all the time, like very win-win. Like I'm getting that time to myself and I'm doing something productive. But of course, there are times where you just feel stretched and knackered and like you're doing everything badly.
0: Yeah. So working from home, what is that like? How does that really play out when you've got a four-year-old and a seven-year-old? Oh,
2: better now. I mean, now they're older. Rex is at school every day. Um, honey is at nursery sort of part-time, but she does two full days. So if I'm writing, I'll really optimise those two full days. And the good thing as well, being a bit of a nerd, is I will focus. I'm not going to procrastinate and start, like, online shopping or going for a walk. Like, if I know I've got from nine till half three... I will literally work without a break. Like Mm. I'll eat while I'm working. I'm probably sure this is like not recommended at all, but I will be eating and typing and I just don't stop because I know it's made me much more focused being a mum because before I could just, you know, dick about and go, oh, I'll just go and have lunch with a friend, do a bit and then do some more tomorrow. But I don't have that luxury. So when I've got those two days or those moments where the kids are at school or nursery, I am in the zone Mm. and I just... Even if it's rubbish what I'm producing, if I'm writing or if I'm painting or working on a project, I'll just keep doing it anyway Mm -hmm. and then patch over the gaps the next day. But
0: I am pretty good at being focused in those times and you when you're with the kids do you still try and do the work thing as well sometimes or is it very much when they're home you stop all that
2: yeah I I really try and then just make that separation and I I love cooking so I always cook for them and you know or make little things to take after school snacks or whatever so we might do that together or we do a lot of art and drawing and I tend to do a lot of stuff with them where I couldn't do both Mm. sometimes say they're in the bath and I'm hearing emails ping I'll go and quickly check them but I'm not. to be sat there on my laptop whilst they're playing I do like to kind of have that time where I'm with them and I'm you know cooking for them or it's just too hectic to do anything else and they fight the whole time like they're constantly arguing so I have to just be a referee yeah. most of the time and try and create some peace because it's just mental so and if we've got all four kids because my stepkids come coming yeah. up then there's no chance you know I've got two different sets of meals to do. I mean, my husband's around a lot as well, but we'll try and work out who does what. A lot of, as you'll know, taxiing from place to place. Mm -hmm. and So, yeah, that's why those hours when they're not here are so important. I just knuckle down and and crack on with it.
0: And what was happening
2: in your work when you had your first baby? So, when I had Rex, I was at Radio 1 full-time at that point. So, I was doing five days a week on the morning um, music show. And I was doing Celebrity Juice and a couple of other projects at the time, a couple of other TV things. So when I had Rex, I, I think like most of their first baby, you're quite terrified as to you know what's about to happen and if you're going to be able to cope with it. So I actually did take six months maternity leave. I didn't work at all. Um, radio, I mean, I'm self-employed. It's not like I got paid for not working. But mm. they were like, if you want to take six months, fine, we'll get someone to sub you. So... I literally took six months off, didn't earn a penny and did nothing. I didn't even think about work. I didn't feel I had the capacity to, quite frankly. I was so all consumed with just being a mum and surviving like most new parents are and not sleeping. Um, So, yeah, and then I went back after six months and just tried to muddle through the chaos of juggling everything. And I found it highly stressful, definitely for the first year.
0: Yeah, and especially, I mean, I might be wrong, but an environment like Radio 1, which is so much about youth and, you know, most people listening are sort of probably late teens, early Mm, 20s, mm. and they don't really want to hear that your brain's not working very well because your baby was up in the night, maybe. I don't want to hear that. (laughs) Absolutely not. And, you know, you have got... A
2: lot of other DJs there who will have been to gigs the night before, will have been out mm. doing something fun. And I was just sort of watching a lot of, you know, CBBS and, like, waking up in the night and watching online shows while I was breastfeeding and feeling deranged. So, yeah, I think that's probably where I started to feel like I needed to move on. I stayed a couple more years after that because I left when I got pregnant with Honey. Um, but, yeah, it it did definitely, you know, create a big shift in how my life felt versus a lot of the listeners and other DJs there. Mm. Um, So it all kind of naturally unfurled that I was starting to think about, "Mm, what what
0: do I do next? Yeah, But do you remember feeling quite worried initially when you went back to work about being work... Or were you always going to be a working Oh, no, I was
2: really nervous about it. I remember the first day back... I had the most ridiculous first day back, which is why I'll never forget it. It was my birthday... I had a normal radio show in the morning and then in the evening I had to go back and record this big Justin Timberlake live concert. Bear in mind I hadn't spoken to like many other humans and certainly hadn't on live radio. I was like, what is going on? I was so <laughs> fuzzy in the head. I was talking to Justin Timberlake, just thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. I haven't done this for so I haven't got a clue if this is awful. I'm just waffling on and and then Jesse kept texting me, like, Rex won't. Calm down, he's freaking out because I'd been breastfeeding and I was sort of at that point doing a bit of both bottle and breast. So he was just like, Oh my God, I can't get him to calm down. I'm like, I'm just about to go live radio. I don't know what to do. It was just so intense. And from that point on, I was just like, How am I going to do this? Yeah. Luckily at the time, my amazing cousin Katie, who was a nursery teacher, came and worked for us as a family and helped us out because obviously Jesse's in a band like we have a similar setup Mm. so he was off doing his thing so my cousin was integral at that point she Mm. was just um just such a backbone to the whole family and making it work and and helping us through it so between me Jesse and Katie we sort of fumbled through it but my god it was absolutely bonkers
0: yeah and also when you get in and take over from Katie, it's quite hard for her to probably imagine how you felt. Like, I've just been interviewing someone live on radio and I couldn't really... I mean, it's not the same as for a lot of no. people who come in and go, oh, I was in a meeting and it all went... I mean, it's like, it's such a... I can sort of feel the stress of that from yeah. here, really. you've got to, like, like, wind <laughs>
2: down and, you know... I do so little of that sort of thing. I don't do those like big concerts or big live things so much anymore because I've tried to tailor, you know, make my work fit around my life. Yeah. And it is m- much quieter now and it is sort of less high octane. It was so um, a, a sort of, it was all about adrenaline and, and, and being in the moment and, and thinking on my feet and being in a sort of heightened state. And then I'd come back to the family home and have to kind of unravel and get back to just having my feet on the ground and oh, my God, OK, what is going on in this house? You know, I need to get back in that zone. So yeah. that was always quite a speedy and weird transition. At the time, I was living quite near the studio as well, so I'd be home within, like, 15 minutes. Right. So there is no time to go, oh, I'm just going to, like, take a minute or whatever. It was just, I'm back into it. So, yeah, it was, it was full on. It really was. And, I mean, it still is in a lot of ways, but yeah. I, I think you sort of incrementally learn to cope a, a teeny bit better.
0: And if you, you know, what your pre-baby you, what do you think she would think about you now and how your life is and all those changes that have happened? It's a, it's a really complicated one, because so I've been thinking about it recently, and I think my
2: initial thought would be... To presume that the younger me would think, Oh my God, you know you don't do you, what do you do these days apart from work and parent, you don't do anything for yourself you 're quite boring i 'd probably berate myself a little, but then actually I unpicked that the other day when I was writing this book, and I thought, actually, I do think I would think that because inherently, I am a, a homebody, mm. and I am a bit of a nerd, and I like I like being at home I like being in the in with family and I like pottering around. I love those days where I'm not not at work and I can just pop to the shops, do some chores at home. Like I love those days. And I think actually in my 20s even though I was like going out loads, doing all these going to gigs and hosting these big concerts or doing these big live TV things, a lot of that was really uncomfortable and didn't feel natural. So I think actually all I've done is migrate back to being how I used to be as a kid and a teenager. Because this is how I... And I was brought up in a very normal working class environment where you didn't go to big concerts or do anything remotely exciting. You just, you know, you just had that lovely family normalcy. Mm. So I think actually I've just gone back to how I was before. And the 20s bit was just this decade of like chaos. Mm. And now I've just, you know, kids have forced me to get back into that mindset. So I probably would be quite relieved, I think, looking at it weirdly.
0: Yeah, so I was going to ask you, were you raised in quite a traditional household? Did your mum and dad both work? Although both parents worked Mm. because, you know, they
2: literally had to. So my dad uh, has only just retired, actually. He was a sign writer for years from the age of sort of 15 to his early 60s. And um, so he was out all day sign writing, painting, making signs, whatever. And then my mum, through necessity, was doing like three three to four jobs at any one time. She was an orthodontist nurse. She was a cleaner. She was delivering next parcels in the car. She was just trying to make it work around us going to school and after school clubs. And I mean, I think kids then had more freedom than our kids probably do today. So I would often just walk home, let myself in, make myself a snack, watch TV, and no one would be there. And that was perfectly normal back then. Mm. But she was just, I don't know how they did it. They somehow just... You know, it's me and my brother, there's two of us, but somehow they made it all work and I got to go to my dance club after school and drama and all the things I wanted to do. And they facilitated that by working really bloody hard. So I do often look back and think, actually, I've got it really easy, to be honest, compared to what they had to put up with. It's, you know, it's, it's just a lot simpler for me.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like they instilled a really good work ethic because I do think that's the nice thing about seeing your parents do those things is it becomes familiar to you that it's okay to give yourself permission to wear those different hats and do those different things.
2: Hugely, I think, you know, there's pros and cons, like we all know, to being a working mum or not. You Mm. know, there's no right or wrong. There never is. It's just what feels right to you. But certainly, I think, by osmosis, how your parents are, Mm. you know, massively sort of leaks into you and your thinking and the way that you want to run your life. And, you know, my parents have both been incredibly hardworking. So it would feel very unnatural for me to not. And actually now, Jesse's really good at saying to me, look, just slow down, just like give yourself an hour or a break. And he has to almost tell me, because I'm so used to that model of family life and seeing that and knowing that I can,
0: so why not, that I have to be told to just put the brakes on a bit. I'm exactly the same. Mm. Because I've always got this voice in my head of someone going... There's someone out there with more children, more yes. to do, and they're getting it all done. So I, I find. In your it... case, there's not many with more children, but yeah,
2: <laughs> there's not that many.
0: But it's funny because I've sort of got equal parts, sort of um, modern woman. And again, I have a you know brilliant role model in my mum of having a good work ethic and, mm. and raising us. But I've also got a sort of mum's net forum in there as well, where it's kind of going, well, that's lovely if you want to work. I mean, I personally, I couldn't leave my kids with mm. someone else. For day. But it's really wonderful mm. that you do. It's sort of like this sort of. Um, insecurity about it I suppose sometimes I have that for sure definitely I think
2: I think all working mums do I think if you're a stay at home mum you feel guilty that you're not working and if you're a working mum you feel guilty that you're you know sacrificing moments with your kids It's, it's you just can't win and and I talked to Jesse about it a lot because he doesn't feel like that. He really doesn't and he goes to work and he does just sort of switch off. I'm not saying that in a judgmental way. He just has the ability to go, "No, I want I I want to go to work and I'm going to do it." Yeah. And I do think there is still that sort of archaic notion that the woman's place is still in the house. Definitely. That is still there. You know, it does I, still I agree. Sort of resonate and so we're, this generation, our generation, and possibly our mums too, but our generation certainly having to navigate parenting, females navigating parenting, looking at, we've got a lot more options, so what
0: what do we choose to do? Exactly. And how do we do it? And it's really confusing. Yeah, and quite overwhelming, I think. Massively. And I totally agree with Richard as well, he... I mean he's a brilliant dad and he's you know very involved in everything however he he seems to find it a lot easier to compartmentalize yeah and wherever I am in the world and whatever I'm doing I've always sort of got streams in my head of what's happening with all the kids and looking at my, okay that one will be there by now and it's you know Jesse who's it, like he'll be having lunch at nursery now and oh I hope Sonny gets home all right after school noise but Richard will ask me, like, four or five times about something that's happening, and I'll be like, I've, told, I've told you where that's happening today. And mm. I just sometimes think... <laughs> but I think I've almost created the beast a little oh, bit, too. Oh, I have. I yeah. have.
2: I'm, we had this <laughs> chat last night. We were talking about some logistical bollocks that we spend our whole life sort of doing these who's doing what, where, and when. Yeah. And I was moaning about Jesse, who, again, like Richard, is the most brilliant dad, massively hands-on, will go take honey to ballet do it like he just would get stuck in with whatever's there Mm. but because i am such a control freak and i'm quite untrusting i will often do everything so there can be no room for error exactly the same as me and then he's like well you didn't give me any time to do anything because you've bloody done it all and i'm like yes because it wouldn't have gotten done and it's like well i don't (laughs) actually know that because i didn't give him the chance so it is like we do create that we, we make a rod for
0: our own back and then we moan about it. But so I'm, a, I'm a control freak. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. And I think actually it suits me to to take the reins in that way. And, mm. I mean, yesterday I was doing something and I was like, oh, can you just feed Mickey? And then I kind of came up, with, I literally said to it, do you want me to open the packets for you? Because we we're doing the <laughs> puree thing. And, I, and I'm like, what am I doing? You know, like he doesn't probably need that. But then I did it anyway. I know. And he was like, do you want to just feed him? And I'm like, no, no, I, I do have to go and do this other thing. It's like, ridiculous. What, am I doing? what are we doing? <laughs> it's so funny because Jesse and I talk about you two,
2: all the time, we constantly go, how the fuck are they doing this? Like, how are they doing this? Because we have really similar yes. jobs. You know, you and I have, there's similarities, and certainly with Jesse and Rich, that we've got a similar setup of, there is no structure, mm. there's no schedule. Yeah, We've got two slash four kids at any one time. You've got five kids all the time. And we're just like in awe of you guys. Like, oh. how are they doing this? Like, we just... Honestly, we talk about you guys all the time. Well, oh, that's
0: funny because I think I have, um, I think with, there's a reverse thing happening in our house because I know you've always been very uh, sweet about how much I get done, but in my head, I'm always a bit like, I bet Fern, you know, she, you just seem to have so many things you're doing. <laughs> no, but really, and it's wonderful because it's all going back to what you're talking about with your book, it all comes from you. You can mm. tell it's all authentic, it's all done with passion. Um, and I just think there's, I, but sometimes it's actually in the nicest way quite hard to avoid you I've got a sweaty Betty very <laughs> near me so I see you pretty much daily um, as I opened my door home on Friday there was a sweaty Betty catalogue on the floor and there you are doing some amazing yoga pose so we're not just about the work thing you're also very bendy uh, you can draw <laughs> like if I could draw I would be telling everybody my drawing sort of stopped at about 12 I think oh like, I love, I love everybody's it everybody's straight on but
2: you know what it's only, that's only been a part of my life that I'm allowing back in now. Like, I used to draw and paint before I had kids all the time. I'd always have an easel up and be doing a painting at night or, because like you did, being did you do A-level or...? Yeah, I did yeah. an A-level and then I, I kind of left towards the end of that because I was already working, so I was trying to juggle a lot then. But because of the kids, I just felt, I can't justify sitting here doing a lovely painting if they're with my cousin or mm. whatever. So I just let it go for years and only... A month ago, I did my first portrait in about... I don't know, it must be six or seven years Mm. because Honey's doing more nursery hours and Rex is at school... So I just painted it all day and I was like, oh my God, I love this. I'd forgotten how much I love it. And again, it's that loophole thing of I'm creating something wonderful and I feel productive, but I'm just getting so much from it. Yeah. But I'm only really like giving myself permission to do that now, which seems ludicrous because, again, like Jesse will go off and watch Chelsea for four or five hours yeah, yeah. Or on a Saturday or whatever yeah. and he loves it and it's absolutely fine. And again, I'm not saying that in a judgmental way, but I do think women give themselves much more of a hard time about giving themselves
0: pleasure without any caveat just i'm so pleasure. in agreement yeah i'm nodding a lot over here because i think I, I, funny if i'm think it's i don't know maybe this is just for for you and i but i feel like i'm, I'm now 40 and i feel like i'm still teaching myself that about the permission yeah. to do something just for its own sake yeah um and it's it's really hard to do that and actually when i do present things to the the family in the way that says i'm I, no I'm, I'm doing that Like i just went away for half term with my mum and my teenage son and ordinarily i'd be tying myself in not being away from the younger ones and this i was just like this it needs to happen actually yeah. it's really important yeah and when you present something like that then nobody flaps anyway the kids no. are fine because i'm saying to them this is just happening whereas i think i have and foul so many times of because i love what i do and because I'm my own boss with it and I can decide when I work, I've sort of let them think that actually I can also choose to completely clear the decks and that mm. I, I think I should have set it out a lot more sort of as a professional thing from the get-go. Cause instead they just think, well, well just tell them you can't sing or we well, don't need- don't go and write a song today. Yeah, yeah. I've sort I know. Of let Isn't them that think funny? that's a thing.
2: I know. It's um it's just so complex for us to work out what we are deserving of Mm. you know not only probably due to where we grew up how we grew up how we were parented but also just historically how women have been presented and how women have lived and also you know we think back to all the sacrifices our grandmothers great grandmothers would have made. and there is a bit of that that still sort of stings like oh my god you know i do have so many more options and choices and i think we're still shedding a few of those layers like you know my neither of my nans worked they were they had no choice they were at yeah. home and that was they brought up my parents and my aunties and uncles and that that was how it was so it's i think there's so there's so much sort of historic baggage that we're carrying as well as our own personal stuff and and stuff from our parents that it's never just as simple as i think i deserve this i'm going to do it
0: yeah i agree i agree it's always got these caveats yeah. no you're completely right cuz initially when i thought oh i'd love to you know to do this podcast and talk to working mothers, I was like, "Well, is it a thing? Maybe it's just a thing because I think it's." And then I, I see so much everywhere. Like, no, no, it's, it's very much still an, oh, an issue.
2: I think many people just pretend everything's easy and fine. Like yeah. I've certainly in the last sort of five years, I'm just honest now. I'm mm. just me. Before that, I didn't feel like I could be. I was kind of just this person on TV, and no one wanted to know what was going on in my life. You no, know, you know, I was in that again that Radio One World predominantly where it was about fun and you know just the music and the excitement and you don't sit there and talk about how you're really feeling or what's going on but I've seen such worth in it that now in any area of my life but especially parenting you know I will post on Instagram that I haven't slept or that you know there's yeah. the cat's done a shit on the floor and I'm having to do sort that out and then I've, I'm late for the school run and I've Last week, I sent Honey to school in her World Book Day costume the day early. That was a good one. Um, well, what was it? it wasn't well, luckily, she hates dressing up. So, it was literally a cat onesie with cat ears. So, she got away with it. Oh. It could have been a lot worse if I'd sent her in, like, some handmade <laughs> outfit. Um, but, I, you know, I, I don't want to present it as just like, oh, yeah, I'm a working mum and it's all so easy. You know, yeah. but I find it bloody hard all the time yeah and i'm luckier than most that i really love my job yeah i'm exactly the same it's still it's still tricky so you know for single parents out there for parents that hate their jobs whatever it's just a minefield it's a big big topic for so many people
1: ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
0: But in, in, a, in a nicer way, how do you think being a mum has influenced your, your creativity? Because obviously it's a massive part of your world.
2: Hugely. I mean, especially with the writing. Mm. Massively, Because before I was very tunnel visioned with how I saw life and I had had this very weird life that became very normal to me. Mm. So from sort of 15 to 29, I was just hugely selfish in how I ran my life and I would be travelling all over the place and doing all these exciting things here or in America or whatever I was doing. And it just was about, supposedly in my head at the time scaling this like ascent to success utopia, whatever that means or was. Yeah, but yeah. I thought that was a thing and it was gonna make me feel more complete and better or whatever. Yeah. And I don't know if it was uh through getting older or through having kids or a bit of everything going on and how my life changed. But um I mean I just see life in just a completely different way yeah and success has been completely redefined it's not an ascent to anywhere it's just a daily experience of what's going on yeah and learning to go with the ups and downs rather than it being this sort of end goal and it's allowed me to write in a much more uh well it's allowed me to write full stop but in a much more thoughtful and open-minded way um and and I think, you know, with everything really, like, you know, even silly little things like with this charity initiative that we've come up with for the Prince's Trust, it's all about being creative. And obviously that's been hugely important my whole life. But since having kids, it's now one of the main ways that we as a family well, certainly me and the two little ones will connect, you know, we will sit and like, there's always stuff on our table in the conservatory, just like bits of junk and stuff that we're making or painting. And it's something that we always just go back to and they seem to really thrive when we're doing it and the same with my stepdaughter more than my stepson we have always baked together since she was five years old we've always you know done little cakes together or had little baking projects and she's 14 now so she's kind of moving out of that being a <laughs> bit uncool but you know it's all that's always like that's kind of been ramped up because of the kids as well I probably yeah. would have let that slide massively if they hadn't been there to encourage that sort of need for creativity
0: yeah no, I think it's a, it's a, such an intrinsic part of it's back, back again to authenticity, but also it's being creative is so good for small people because of their morale. It doesn't. It's not really about what you're producing, but just kind of keeping your brain like firing off in all those yeah. different directions and getting um, them off screens so anything to get them away from a screen is good. And yeah, it's hard. That's quite a big issue in our house, I think, because yeah. Richard and I are quite geeky, but also a lot of our work is on the computer or on the phones. And so, you know, they've all become aware of these gadgets from when they're yeah, little. think it's hard. I, especially the older two, the 11-year-old and the 15-year-old, are really into computing and gaming, but also creating stuff on there sometimes. But it's quite hard to sort of navigate that.
2: It is, but I just think, we, you know, we we have to sort of look at it and see that their world is so different to how so ours is when we were growing okay, up. Yeah. And we've got to integrate, you know, how we grew up with the modern world and mm. find some kind of... Middle ground and um like, I saw. Didn't Sonny build his own computer? He did. Yeah, when he was
0: insane. What skill? Well, it is a skill. Uh, Yeah, that was when he was twelve, and it's yeah, it was brilliant. But now it means he's got a computer in his bedroom, so he's had that for a little while. And sometimes I think it's been good for him because he does some really positive stuff on there. And sometimes I think is that a really Mm. daft thing? But I suppose I'll slightly have have to wait and see it a little bit. Really, yeah. We all are with a
2: generation like discovering. What the repercussions of these screens, you know, what that manifests as, none of us know right now. It's terrifying. I
0: know. One thing I've always thought was really strange for, for our kids is the fact that they know so much what they look like. Because when I was I little, I didn't really know what I looked like half the time. No. And if I was dressed up somewhere, you know, I'd see the picture maybe like two weeks later when it had been developed. The idea that you literally you take the picture or show them the screen and they know, how weird is that? That's the bit that terrifies me most definitely, especially having daughters.
2: Mm. Oh my god, I find that, like Lola's 14, so she's Mm. in the thick of this kind of Snapchat Instagram, which is not as big on Instagram, but like definitely the Snapchat vortex, where it's just, every four seconds they take a picture of themselves, and it's not necessarily pose. it's just like, because they're messaging their friends, and that's how they communicate with each other, but like you say, it's a sort of subconscious um, undercurrent of a a mirror constantly back at you, and... I I don't know, that, it freaks me out a, lot, a yeah. lot, but we can't change, it's there, it's in our everyday society, you know, we can't no, combat know. it single-handedly, it's such a tricky one.
0: No, I think, and I think one of the best things you can do, not just with um, screens, but with sort of everything that goes on as they grow up is just try and sort of walk alongside them with things. Yeah. I think as long as they're communicating and talking to you about, you know, things they're excited about, things they're scared of, or you know, what worries them, then actually that's, that's the best you can do yeah, with all I think of it so. really because i
2: think as soon as you say you're not allowed you can't do this then all of a sudden it becomes this like tempting definitely what is it oh my god you know i really need that now because i'm really not allowed it so it, yeah i don't know it's a tricky one
0: yeah i know but in, in a nicer way if i asked your kids what you do for a living do you think they'd be able to answer me
2: rex would probably <laughs> just say he'd probably just say you'd I'm on the telly and radio because he that's the only bits that he can kind of grasp. Like that's a podcast, he's got no idea. I don't think Honey... I don't know, I've never asked her. I don't think she would really know. Rex is weirdly just... Understanding the concept of fame at the moment, oh, Honey yeah. has no clue. No, but Rex actual. is starting to get it because, like, say we're out and about and someone asks for a picture, he'll go, "Is that because you're on the TV?" And I'll sort of have to talk to him and explain about mm. it. And also, obviously, he knows that his granddad's very famous. So he he has a concept of that, and if we're out with his granddad or he sees him on the TV or like we watched him on the Brits just recently, and he thought that was hilarious. So he's I know. So he's just granddad on he's the Brits. getting to grips with like what that means, and I'm very honest because I'm quite opinionated about what fame is and hmm. what it means, and I I hate the fact that it's seen as this like. Wonderful um, thing that is attainable, or yeah. that will change your life for the better. Because to me, it it's neutral; it has no effect on my life at all. Yeah. The success does that has all sorts of good points and bad points, but the fame has z- just neutrality. Like I can't see any impact that it has on my life in anywhere apart from someone might go Fern, in the street and then yeah. duck. Like that is literally it. Yeah. So I'm always very vocal about you know yeah it's just because I just make it very normal and it's just not a big big deal um, because I don't want them growing up with some sort of warped image of that meaning something so I do see it
0: as very meaningless It it, well I feel exactly the same way and I think from when I first heard people um, recognise me I realised that they would recognise recognize someone who's in an advert that's on telly a lot. Yeah, it's, like, it's sort of without any context. It's completely. Just, and for them as well, it's a tiny part of their day. Like If, they, if you're going about your business, like, they, might, they might remember to mention it to someone later in the day or they might completely forget. It's oh, my also, God, like, mine would not even... <laughs> it would be like the most boring...
2: Anything to do with me is just boring or Jesse, Just boring, <laughs> move on. And the same with my stepkids. They're just absolutely unfazed by mm. any of it. It's just whatever, do you know what I mean? They're much more interested in their world and their lives and their friends and what's going on there than anything that could be going on in our world. So, yeah, and I think you can make fame and all that side of our, the weird side of our career a big deal if you want. Mm. You can, you know, have blacked out windows and wear a cap out in public and all that shit. Or you can just go to the supermarket yeah. and do your normal thing and crack on as, with life as normal which we do because yeah. it has no impact on us so
0: i think you can make it a big deal or you can choose to just whatever i completely agree and i think as well when people first start to get successful in that way i think how you which option you choose is also the thing that it's probably a part of helping you feel good about your job as well, because I think for some people, getting all those trappings—the sunglasses and the hat and all mm. that—makes them feel like it's harder to dismantle it and take it away.
2: Yeah, Jesse is <laughs> that, he just got back from. He's the
0: got sunglasses market. on actually. I think he thinks. Oh, he's yeah. such a child! <laughs> 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 Richard wears sunglasses all the time. Like, I mean, it's a it's a nice enough day, but I, I don't even not. know where mine are. Mine aren't don't come out till like June. <laughs> I don't know
2: where they are in the house. Somewhere in a drawer. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> you're trying to be really quiet, but you're being very loud.
0: Oh well. So, I, I thanks learning. for going to the supermarket. <laughs> well done. It's okay. <laughs> well, um, you, we, can, we can nearly finish up. Actually, the only other thing I wanted to ask you is if there's ever been a time where your family life, home stuff, and work has sort of collided in a way that's maybe not been ideal or been a bit funny or silly. Because I know I've, I've, I've had billions of times when that's happened for me like probably the most sort of excruciating was when Sonny um it's my eldest when he was about two and I'd gone to do um Richard and Judy used to have a live show they were doing in the evenings It was after they'd done this morning and I think it was oh three. I remember that yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's maybe like I think it's when the Richard and Judy book club started like, maybe, yeah yeah night. um and uh so it's a live show and I had a really bad cold and my mum um had really bad advice she's not a good advice it was terrible advice she (laughs) told me to take Sudafed for my cold so I wasn't snivelly and I don't know if you've ever taken that stuff but it was awful my pupils went to pinpricks my heart was racing oh my god i felt terrible like, i mean i was someone that used to get quite bad anxiety on live telly anyway i mean this oh, was just I do still yeah I, yeah I don't yeah i'm the same it's like my least favorite yeah, medium same. actually yeah um and uh so i was sat there on the on the sofa trying to feel relaxed and feeling really parched and um oh. and, and richard made went actually your son's here um can we can we bring him over and i was thinking no, because oh, I god. don't really do anything with them in public at all, and and I was thinking, oh god, when I get home, Rich is going to kill me, and the grandparents are going to kill me. And Sonny came trotting over, and they'd put a radio mic on him, and he was only two, and he had this, it was sort of went down halfway down his oh, thigh, god. this really big radio pack. Oh god! And he just started to dismantle the um, the set. They had a, a pretend fireplace, and Sonny was picking up these sticks from the fireplace, oh, and Richard gosh. mainly said something like, um, "What was it?" No, I'm trying to remember. Uh, Sticks and stones won't break my bones, but uh, names will never hurt me. Oh, God, and I'm biting. I was thinking, that's round the wrong way. <coughs> and I'd really like him to put the sticks down now. Oh, Sophie, this is so <laughs> is ridiculous.
2: I can, I, yeah. can, I can feel, like, the anxiety <laughs> around that situation is mm. a big... A big one. I don't know what the moral no, I, you know, is. You know what? I have, there isn't one. Just, no. It's just one of those clusterfuck <laughs> things that happen. I mean, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, there definitely have been moments where I have found that the worlds don't collide well. So mm. when I had Honey, I went back to work straight away. So with Rex, I had that break. With Honey, I literally was back after three weeks. I recorded um, the Jamie Oliver show down the end of the pier, the Friday Night Dinners thing. And. Um, three weeks three weeks so she came with me and he just said look anytime you want to go breastfeed just go and do it it's fine Mm. so I was juggling it and that one flukely but I think because she was so tiny and she was Mm. an exceptionally good baby Uh. I kind of made it work but then there were times where like I remember recording um the BBC Music Awards and I it was in Birmingham I'd taken honey up for the night and we were in this hotel room And it was a brand new hotel and I went, I was breastfeeding and I thought, right, I'm going to set the schedule so that everything works through the night and I'm not too tired of this huge live show the next day. Mm. And this new hotel, loads of stuff was going wrong and the lights in my bedroom wouldn't turn off. Uh So I was like, what the hell am I going to do? She's, she's snoozing now. I need to sleep. It was like 11 o'clock at night. We had an early wake the next day. So then at like midnight, I'm moving all of her baby stuff, all of my stuff into a room next door. So I barely slept. Trying to then breastfeed before I go to this big live concert, um, you know you've got like all these pop stars walking around. It's sort of, like all just completely bizarre. Mm. And nearing the end of the show, my boobs are like rocks, like absolute boulders of milk. I'm yeah. thinking if we don't finish this, I'm just gonna it's just gonna start coming out. <laughs> like there is no stopping this situation, yeah. and sort of feeling a bit panicky about about that, but trying to stay focused. And you know there have been a lot of times where it's just felt like this cannot work together this is not like I can just pop off like I'm so sorry Chris Evans I'm just gonna walk off the stage and because my tits are literally about to explode so yeah there have certainly been moments where I've just thought what am I doing this is and trying to get her to nap when I'm like in between things like in a buggy racing around a block of the studio you know trying to get the kids to sleep and panicking and then she doesn't and then going on set feeling really frantic and Oh, my God, like, those days I've sort of parked it and forgotten it. But if I think about it too much, oh, my God, I don't know how I got through that anxiety because it was just, the juggling was ridiculous. It
0: is, and you find yourself telling people that you don't need to tell and they don't even understand what you're talking about anyway. And I thought, oh, God,
2: I'm really lucky I get to take my kids to work. I've got a sort of job where it's actually doable because, like, my mum came to Top of the Pops at Christmas that year because she could sit with Honey whilst I was on set. But I thought I was making it all work, but it was utter chaos. Like... Leaking boobs, babies crying, pop stars trying to warm up next door, running around blocks trying to get babies to sleep. Like, not as relaxing as I'd envisaged whatsoever. But luckily, I don't know if I've had too much crossover where I've felt like they've had to be part of... Like, I've been asked, you know, would you do a TV show where we shoot the kids or whatever? And I'm like, absolutely not. I just Mm. don't want them... I want them to make the decision down the line. And I've been asked if I would talk in depth about step-parenting, and I haven't quite found my comfort level with that subject even yet because it feels so personal you know I do talk about it but you know I'm not gonna talk on behalf of my stepkids. kids yeah maybe We're when individuals they're older. Do you maybe what I mean yeah so I st- I'm still finding my feet with it and working mm. out how much to do and show and it's just it, again because it's a new thing for all of us to kind of get used to like do we put our kids on Instagram do we not do we talk about them do we not you know, it's f- and there's again no wrong or right. It's just yeah.
0: what what feels right for you at the moment. No, that's a very bespoke thing. It's, it's very I think so. each to their own because for some people, what I've already revealed about my kids is way too much, and for some people, they're happy to do way more. Exactly, I think, exactly. You know, I'm not judgmental about what the people do. No, just, nor
2: me, nor yeah. me. You've just got to find your what's your barometer. What feels good. what yeah. it pushes you over the edge and and don't be swayed by other people i think you've got to do what feels right for you
0: yeah definitely oh actually i know what i want to ask you i mean I, i'm not at all interested in like literally how many nannies and childcare and all that but are you someone that's um okay, have you always found it okay handing your kids over when you have to go and work
2: no <laughs> i mean at first it was really lovely that my cousin worked mm. for us because she's like my sister we grew up very very close with our families living near each other going on holiday every year together so she is like one of my favourite humans on earth. So it was so I remember asking her, we were with my Nan, who's no longer with us, but I, we were sat with my Nan and I was like, Do you want to come and help out with Rex when I go back to work? Just it was a spare of the moment thought. And she mm. was like, Yes, I hate, I hate where I'm working, please. And it just all worked and was just so beautiful. So we were really lucky in that respect. Um it's still, I'm still very lucky now. We've got a part-time nanny who does after-school bits if I'm not around. I don't use her just for if I want to go and like chill out but if i'm working or if Jessie's away we have a wonderful lady um who helps us out and she is amazing but it doesn't mitigate the guilt that i still feel mm. when i go to work that someone else is with my kids she's integral to our family otherwise jesse and i couldn't do what we do yeah and that is a choice that we've made um but i still do find it really tricky really tricky yeah but then you know i i rarely work weekends and i have quite a lot of time in the week so i I kind of balance it out by going, well, I've just had like this, it's Monday today, Sunday and Saturday. We had so much lovely family time yeah. and went to Kew Gardens and went out with some family, other family, some cousins. And we just had like really special time. So today when I'm working and then the lovely lady who helps us out is going to take Honey for a play date after nursery today because I've got some work to do. And, you know, I can kind of find my own balance within it, but I still find it, Yeah tricky for sure i know i'm really fortunate and lucky that i get that opportunity but i still do find it mentally quite challenging
0: yeah no i'm the same i think it, it's always going to have that little bit of that balance because it's important to get done the things you need to get done but you always think like if you say oh can you just take that out to the pot it'd be lovely and then you're thinking oh, actually I'd quite oh, like why to am i not there i know i yeah. know it's um it's a we're in a fortunate
2: situation that we have that access but it does still mentally create a bit of torment i think
0: well talking of mental torment, i don't know if you knew this i, d- I only really found out uh, yesterday about what happens in the neurology when you have a baby but you-, you probably know about this but, no i do not um it's there's three areas of your brain that um th- that sort of get enlarged and um by, by having a baby it's social interaction uh it's empathy and it's anxiety and i didn't actually wow no, yeah they, i feel like in I wasn't really spoken to about any of those things in any of my pregnancies. What weirdly. I mean, what are we told? So little. Like I, you're just literally
2: t- figuring it out and yeah. seeing. Especially on the mental side of things, I think physically we're given some guidance, but still yeah. not enough. Mentally, none. Yeah, I and mean, they sometimes is, say, "Are you okay? Are you okay with this?" And then they'll tick a box, and then that's sort of. Yeah, you I know. And you? the transition yeah. from being like just a regular person walking about doing their own thing to being responsible for another human life is probably one of the like biggest transitions that you will take on yeah it's got and you're to just meant to sort of mentally figure it out and then figure it out with possibly also a co-parent if you yes. have one so you're both with your different brains yeah have had very different physical
0: experiences trying to figure it out like it's just the whole thing is bonkers yeah and actually when i've read that i thought well that makes a lot of sense of things i was experiencing but nobody really told me that at the no. time and i'm apparently you know it's, it's the first time probably that you've spent most of your time thinking about things you can't control. Yes. Which makes so much sense, doesn't it? That's exactly what it feels like. When you're a control freak, that's impossible. Yes, exactly, exactly. No, I know, and I look back, I thought it would have been quite a useful thing if someone had said so, I think. I think,
2: like, the empathy thing is actually a lovely positive because you are, you put yourself right at the bottom of the pile so you are always thinking about other people. It can tip into dangerous territory, but it is kind of a nice thing. But I think the anxiety... I think, again, because of social media and how Mm. parenting is often presented, that it can be this kind of beautiful scene of running across a beach with your perfectly dressed children and everything's amazing and you don't see the fucking awful car journey on the way there and and the tantrums and the fighting or the lack of sleep or whatever, that we do put ourselves under extra pressure. Yeah. And when we do feel anxiety, we think that then we're faulty or we're not coping. Yeah. Whereas show me a parent that's not completely anxious most of the time. Like, I don't know, and he, me and my friends talk constantly and everyone's always worried about something or feeling lacking in an area or are worried about something to do with their kids. It's not possible to not have that anxiety.
0: No, and you need a bit of it because you're trying to... Yeah. ...to keep someone who starts it's off with safe. zero common sense to, like, get into adulthood. So yeah, exactly. It needs to be there. But obviously as well, that all those levels are different in each individual, which is why some people can tip into things that yeah. say, can be unhealthy. But I just, yeah, I just really wish I'd been told that, actually. Yeah, it's really important. (laughs) We should pass it on to all pregnant humans. Yeah, because the sort of point of of wanting to have these chats, aside from hearing how people do it and how nice that is for me, is I do think there's so many positives to having kids in terms of how it helps you grow. And I think actually it's, for me, made me more ambitious and made me focus better. Mm. But actually, obviously, there are so many people that choose not to have kids or can't have children for whatever reason, and... It might be dangled there as if, like, motherhood is this way to access this thing. Someone described it as motherhood as finding a room in your head that was always there, but you'd never Mm. gone in there before, and suddenly you sort of have that extra space. And I thought, well, that's nice, but there's a lot of people that, you know, for whatever reason, might never open that room. And actually, I think, you know, you can, you know, I think it's more the, the flip is that you're normally very worried that motherhood is somehow going to curtail a lot of yourself. And I know before I had. Sonny, I was thinking, I, I do want to work, but what if it all goes away? What if I can't mm. think of another song again? Or it just I just feel a bit daft standing on stage or that's part of me is just sort of somehow gone or homogenised and I just can't get back to it again. Mm. Yeah, just... I, I
2: think, again, like you're, like you're so right. Parenting can, especially sort of motherhood, can be presented as this... You know thing that's going to equate uh, completion to mm. you know this is now you as the completed version of your female self, and it's just it's so not that because I think with like everything in life, you gain a lot of stuff, but you also have to lose stuff because it's got to be room made to become a parent and to have these new things that are going on in your life and new thoughts and then bits of like bits of me have closed off, and maybe they'll open up in the future, but there's certainly there's no room for them right now, yeah, you know, and that one of them is sort of like having a social life or having the energy to do stuff that I used to do is just not there. And I think, you know, it's, I because uh, I've had friends that have had a lot of difficulty getting pregnant and watched the, you know, horrendous pain and loneliness that they feel in that space because they don't feel they've got anyone to talk to about it. And I felt like that for a while. You know, I I very luckily got pregnant when I was 30, uh, 30 but before that, I was desperate to be a mum. Like, it felt... I just, it's all I could think about. I was completely obsessed with the idea. I, I probably did buy into a bit of that. Oh my God, then I'm going to be this complete human. And a lot of my friends either had kids or were having them. And it took me a little while to get pregnant and I had to be a bit patient there. But there are quite a few situations where people say things they don't realise they're being presumptuous or they're, or they're, um, putting you in a, a box because you haven't got kids. And I was desperate to, like absolutely desperate to. And um, and I did feel quite a lot of hurt during that that sort of time. So, yeah, I do just think how parenting is presented, especially on social media,
0: mm.
2: is just a very, you know, it's this perfect ideal that apparently is going to look and feel amazing. And I definitely bought into that beforehand. And it's just, that's not the reality. It's yeah. just so much more complex and um, and impossible at times. And... You know, I've spoken to some of my friends who had a lot of trouble getting pregnant who have now got kids. And I say, you know, do you feel any different, or Do you feel that completion? And they're like, well, obviously I'm like insanely grateful to have a kid, but no, it's not how I thought it was going to be, you know, mentally. And I think a lot of that is because of the presentation of motherhood and the ideals around it that aren't realistic whatsoever.
0: Yeah, I know. I totally agree with all of that, actually. It's true. And I don't... Well, at this point, I can't actually really remember what I thought motherhood would be like. <laughs> um, it feels like so long ago before I had kids, but um, I do know that it came with so many unexpected things. And mm. I remember uh, the guilt thing was the, probably the most stark one. I just was same. like, oh, what? I just feel guilty like most of the time. Yeah, yeah, stupid. yeah. yeah. Um, and the second one is a, a nicer one, but being patient, actually. I used to be quite a lot more impatient. And I yeah, feel- same. Oh, and problem solving. I've got so much better at problem solving mm. because... Especially with five kids and all different ages. Um, I've had to deal with all manner of things when we're out and about or when we're just about to leave or something happening. And I, I now quite enjoy that. And I can yeah. apply that to my work a little bit. I quite like that. The mm. problem is, like, There's always a way. There's something we can do. Patience is a big one. Like I yeah. had zero patience, like none. I would just give up and go, well, I'm not doing
2: that because it's taking too long. I can't be bothered or whatever. Whereas especially with Rex, I've learned I have to be patient with him. I cannot rush this kid i cannot spring things on him and expect him to be dynamic i've Mm. got to be patient and prepared and there are certain things i have to do to get him to listen and to play ball so that our family can operate in a cohesive way because he he's a very um he's quite sort of sensitive but he's he's just a very vibrant person so everything is like very extreme and He's just very expressive and I I have to really honour it and work with it and be patient with how he is as a human. I can't control or manipulate what his personality is like. I've got to work with it. So patience for me has been a a huge one, huge one. Still learning that one.
0: Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, how how, uh, much more responsive it is actually raising a small person because you think it's all about the sort of parent you're going to be and who they're going to be, but actually you get this person and then you just have to sort of react to that and go, okay, well, you seem to work better with this, that, and the other. And yeah. that's my ideas for how this is going to go today is I'll It's that. so not about you. That's yeah. what I
2: thought. I thought I was going to be, <laughs> how am I going to be as a parent? How am I going to raise my children and what the ethos I'm going to like set in the house? And it's like, no, I've got to work with what you guys are like. I've got to work yeah. with these two totally different personalities. Yeah. <clears throat> the other thing I hadn't prepared for, two kids who have entirely different outlooks on life mm. from the get-go and make them get on and all of us do things together. And like you, we've got kids ranging from four to 18. So how is that going to work? You know, mm. it is about learning to have all these personalities um, aligning somehow yeah. and, and making it work. So yeah, you are like, your opinion can do one. It's like very much about, you know, for the good of the kids and their upbringing, making sure that, yeah, you know, you've got to have your say and make sure things work for you. But really, you've got to be listening and like, take on board all these different wants and needs and personalities and figure a way out to make it make it
0: work. Definitely. No, I, I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm going to be learning that for the rest of my life. I oh, know we are.
2: <laughs> this is not, there's no
0: end with this one. No, just carry on. there is not. <laughs> there is not. Well, um, I could actually keep <clears> talking <throat> to you all day, but mm, me too. I'm aware that you have lots of things to be getting on with. And thank you so much. I've really enjoyed our chat. Um, and um, it's been really insightful. And I'm glad to hear that um, there's a little bit of chaos going on in amongst such prolific. A lot. Yeah, but I can I still can't work out if I'm more impressed with all the things you have got going on or how flipping tidy your house is. Like yeah, my this... home has never, ever, ever looked like this. Yeah, but this is also can you come because you're my house. I'm a control when you're not writing freak a book or... with this too. So
2: <laughs> this is why I have no so People are like you know, oh, you must just be a workaholic if you have no social life. No, I'm also spending a lot of my time arranging bookshelves and so making beautiful. things look neat because otherwise I just am unbearable to be around. Well, it's
0: gorgeous. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Come, come and stay around at mine. Be very stressed out. Oh, I've got the same wallpaper as you. I love um, the wallpaper. <laughs> I've got it in my kitchen. Um, wallpaper. Yeah, be a bit stressed out by the, by the mess and then tidy it all for me. I would like to do that. You know, I go around
2: <laughs> certain people's houses. I actually went around to someone's house recently it was a friend of ours was house sitting for someone else and the people had gone on holiday. It was so, so messy. I just said, look, guys, I know we're meant to be like we're having a barbecue, whatever, but I'm just going to clean their kitchen. And I did their whole kitchen. I like rearranged, I mean, they probably they might have not wanted me to do it at all, but I had the best afternoon. Wow. I was cleaning like dead flies off windowsills like it was pretty extreme cleaning surfaces that were just, like, unreal, arranging all of their um, cleaning products. Like oh, wow. it, was, it was a great afternoon for me. Well, I don't know what you're doing this weekend, but I'm thinking of having a bowl <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, No, seriously, thank you very much. Sophie. <laughs> so, that was my lovely chat with Fern about how she's, well, how she's managing life, normal life the old normal, um, working alongside raising her young family, and now we find ourselves in a new normal, and it's funny reflecting back, because in a way, hearing Fern and I chat about how we fit, you know, some of our work around kids being in school and things like that, it feels, well, quite frankly, it feels very indulgent. I, I have not found myself with the luxury of time and headspace that I had before, but Where there's a will, there's a way, and um, I've spoken to Fern since we had our our chat on that day, Um, and I know that she's getting on with lots and lots of bits and bobs, and I did ask her if there was anything in particular that uh, she had coming up that she wanted me to mention, and she had loads of projects, but actually, very sweetly, the only thing she thought it would be nice to chat about was Happy Place, which I thought was very apt, because I think if you're lucky enough, then you reach a point in your life where your main bit of work is actually so close to your passion and happy place is so clearly a project close to fern's heart whether it be the podcast which are hugely successful or her festival so i would say watch this space i think everybody's going to need uh more and more of a happy place to go to after all the heaviness of what's been going on um and uh yeah i wish her and her family very well and thank you for listening to spinning plates and i'll see you again soon lots of love